You used to like alcohol, but you can't. Not anymore. And your friends offer you mocktails. And not cocktails. And fairy tales and ponytails and the Chippendales. And drinkaware.co.uk offers you recipes for the Lime Ricky, the Virgin Mary, the Sparkling Pong Collins, Ginger Lemonade, and it's all just bullshit. I know how it feels. Nothing satisfies. Not until you've tried Yorkshire tea. Fairness, flavour and quality. You don't need to get drunk when you've got Yorkshire tea because you've got Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea cares. 2 99 for 80 tea bags. It's less than 4p a cup. Are you stupid? What more do you need? Yorkshire tea. A proper brew. Pure and simple. I didn't get paid for that. Hello friends and welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast. It's alcoholism for the modern idiot. It's really quite popular in the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Ireland, Australia, Mexico, South Africa and Kuwait. It's a podcast about living sober after hitting bottom. It's about living as an alcoholic and not dying of alcoholism. But we are alcoholics never really understand us. We think different. We are wired up different. We mess up. We fuck up. If we don't live sober, we die young. I follow a program of recovery in which men and women have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I carry a book written by early pioneers who created a roadmap to lead other sufferers out of alcoholism. My name is Simon. I'm an alcoholic. I fuck up. It's not like I want to fuck up, it just happens. Happens to us all, even the non-alcoholic. We fuck up. Don't tell me you've never fucked up. You are not perfect. You might have perfect hair, perfect skin, perfect theme tune. I know I do. But I have learned some of the facts about this illness called alcoholism. Millions of people have this disease. Medical science does not explain it yet. Staying sober becomes the basis of recovery from alcoholism. It's difficult. It doesn't have to be grim, boring and uncomfortable. It could be something we enjoy doing. But oh my god do we make it difficult for ourselves. And Jesus, we fuck up. Cleverly called this episode Fucked Up. Hi, friends. And welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. I've had all sorts of emails this week from an unhappy audience. My last podcast did not achieve its target of 37 minutes. My coverage of the big book has been very disappointing recently. There is the suggestion that I'm not taking the chapter on working with others seriously enough. I'm not as funny as I used to be. I'm missing some of the important catchphrases that I used to use. And I've been too obsessed with my new theme tune. 
and I probably haven't paid the people that recorded that theme tune the money that I promised. And something sounds wrong. And you're right, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this. And I'm fucking it all up. But listen, I've got excuses. I've got kids. It's been the Easter holidays. I'm not making enough money. I've got a new relationship. It's been Game of Thrones. My team isn't performing and it's upsetting me. The neighbours have been banging again. So have I though. The garden looks like shit. The car needs a service. I'm worrying about things. I've not been getting to enough meetings. I've had bad guts. I'm not eating properly. Brexit. I've got a new theme tune. I'm binge watching Fleabag, dirty bitch. I'm thinking about the future, the kids, the girl, the house, the money, and I'm not doing this. And look what happens to me when I put AA in the background. I mess up. I don't feel right. And the point is, my recovery must come first so that everything I love in life doesn't come last. And I have cleverly called this episode fucked up. It's strange, I know. If you'd have asked me not so long ago, do I fancy getting fucked up? I'd be right with you. I want to get fucked up. I don't want to have feelings or feel pain. I want fun. I want laser quest and football and sexy women and pubs and clubs and discos. I want excitement or I want oblivion. I'm Peter Pan and you know it. But there's another side to fucked up. Fucked up the job. Fucked up the relationship, the money, the family, your life. I can't get fucked up and I don't want to fuck up anymore. But look what happens when I stray from my program of recovery. I run the risk of losing everything. I am so much happier in my life when AA comes first. I'm grounded, I have a purpose, I'm a nice bloke, I'm creative, I'm funny. And I can manage 37 minutes of podcast and people will say thank you. And I'm going to stop saying fucked up now. Because there is nothing big or clever about using bad language and my mother would be terribly disappointed in me. She watched Fleabag though. And if it's BBC filth, it's somehow acceptable. If the BBC use bad language and discuss taking someone up the bum, that's fine. It's not really my thing. I'm not sure how people find this exciting, but this really isn't about anyone else, is it? It's about me and it's my podcast. And I'm keeping it clean from here onwards. And it's Easter and I'm not even going to say Jesus. It's Easter and I'm English. Most of us don't go to church but we happily take some time off work and pretend that we know the story. We don't. We think selfishly. We think about chocolate. We think about the Easter bunny and what's on television. And we get some nice food in and we meet our cousins and we are generally lazy. These are great days for the practicing alcoholic. A couple of days extra holiday and a little excuse to drink a little bit extra. And even for the non-alcoholic, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday... The cross, the palms, the eggs, the Morris dancing, hot cross buns. It's all wasted on us. Because 90% of us are just not religious. Sorry. But let's look at it. What did Jesus do? 
humility, service, commitment to a higher power, sacrifice. Does that sound like anything familiar to you? Yeah, sounds like my previous 32 episodes, doesn't it? And I'm not religious. I'm on a spiritual journey, yes, I like the idea of that. But I also like that no one wants me to be anything. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed or numbered. My life is my own. And I stole that from the prisoner. But I still like these values. Humility, service, commitment to something. Agnostics. Sacrifice. It makes you a better person and it stops you from messing up or fucking up. It's what Bill W did, it's what Dr Bob did. They stopped messing up and found something. And God, I was good there again. But you don't see it, you're only ever interested in me reaching 37 minutes, doing my catchphrases, covering the big book, being funny and paying the money I owe to SoberPod Podcast. Well, they will get their money. Don't you worry about that. They'll get their bloody money. I think you know what time it is. It's been time for a long time. It's time for Yorkshire tea and disappointing American cookies. Bloody Yanks. You've got Donald Trump. We've got Theresa May. He cheats at golf. She can't dance. Nobody likes them. You've got crap expensive biscuits. We've got good tea. Let's do this. It's time to have a look in the book. Let's have a quick look in the book. Kin theme tune. Okay, simmer down, settle down. I can see some people at the back talking. Can you stop talking? You got something interesting to say? Say it to the rest of the group because we're all very interested. Americans, unbelievable. Page 100, bottom of the page. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go into their houses. We mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. The big book is telling us that we can handle things, that we are not hopeless cases, that the very sight of drink will not make us want to drink if we are spiritually fit. 
And if we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things. We can go to bars. We can have drink in our homes. We can watch Leaving Las Vegas. We can hang with people who drink if we are spiritually fit. And the book continues on page 101. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland ice cap. And even there an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. And you really shouldn't use the word Eskimo these days. It's considered racist. You should be using the word Inuit. You'll just upset people calling them Eskimos. And that's the last thing we want. The point is, you have to meet these conditions. Bars, other people drinking, movies, friends. You can't hide from it. And when you work with others, they should know this. And in the middle of page 101, it says, In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism, which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation, is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking, if we have a legitimate reason for being there. And that includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain ordinary whoopee parties. To a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. And I know what you're all thinking here because I am thinking exactly the same thing. What the fuck is a whoopee party? And why haven't I ever been invited to one? And I have checked the internet so you don't have to. The whoopee party is a Mickey Mouse short animated film first released on September 17th, 1932. I'm not sure you have any business being there or watching that. We can handle it. That's the point. If you have good reason to be there, be there. And don't expect everybody else to change. Change yourself. Take life. Don't take a drink. Help others. Don't help yourself. And at the bottom of page 103, at the end of the chapter, Working with Others, which I have now covered extremely well, it says... After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. And don't ever say I don't cover the book. experiences as a practicing alcoholic. 
I messed up a lot, obviously. In my drunkenness, I got the idea that drink was the answer. In a previous life, the kids, the holidays, the money, the new relationship, Game of Thrones, the team, the neighbours banging, I've been banging, the garden, the car, Brexit. I could clear the mess with drink. And for the time I was drinking, it was gone. And you know the rest. You know what happens when I drink. And it gets worse. It always gets worse. A drink broke my heart. I came to AA with a broken heart. I applied my Peter Pan fairy dust onto things and it was good. But I ran out of fairy dust and hope and love and I was just this thing. And even when I found sobriety, I continued to mess up. I am not perfect and we are not saints. We say things, we do things. Sometimes we don't do anything. And we alcoholics mess up a million times. And what do you do? When the shit hits the fan, what do you do? But with sobriety, I found that I had things for a change. A book, a sponsor, a community, a place to go, sobriety, a bit of fun, a formula for living. I divorced in sobriety. I crashed my car in sobriety. Some of my toughest years were in sobriety. I remember being a couple of years sober and being half an hour early for an appointment. World falling apart. Summer sun burning through my car windscreen. And life was going on around me. Kids going to school. Adults making their way to work. And I was looking at nothing. The lowest point in my life. But I had sobriety. And that felt good. I'd messed up. People had messed me up. Circumstances had messed me up. But I was different. I had something. And it's hard to define. But it felt good. And it gave me comfort. And in my wonderful theme tune, there's a line. And if all goes well, well, I won't be the same. It's dead clever. Because I didn't want to be the same. And I wanted to live the rest of my life another way. Not to be the same, to change. And I knew where to look for that change, a book, a sponsor, a community, a place to go, sobriety, a bit of fun and a formula for living. And the lowest point in my life didn't seem so bad because I found something and I don't know what it is. Is it the spiritual? Is it the people? Is it the formula? Did I just get lucky? I don't know. I try not to overanalyze things. I'm just trying to pass the message on. But there is something in this. We just fuck up sometimes. We miss the colour purple. We think we're Peter Pan. We forget how bad it was. I do. I do it all the time. And I need a meeting tonight. And I'll see you there, South Manchester. And I love the bones of you. And that's not my line. I stole it. But you can have it. Don't you 
week in sobriety. You wouldn't believe how different life is when you've got your own theme tune. You pick the kids up, you drop them off, you do your shopping, and you look at all the people around you and think, you ain't got your own theme tune, so get stuffed. I mean, seriously, who's got their own theme tune? Me? Frasier? Arthur? Bill Cosby? Careful now. Anyway, having your own theme tune, it's enough to make you self-centred and selfish. But I have not been, not really, maybe a bit. Anyway, it was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, which makes me old and single still, and probably still very handsome, and perhaps a bit out of shape. The immediate family got together, and it was nice. I quite like my family. I don't really care how they feel about me. We went to the place where my folks had their wedding reception 50 years ago. And there are loads of granddaughters now. We had a laugh in the swimming pool. We had a nice meal. Everyone drank champagne, except me and the kids. And it was hotel rooms and hanging out for breakfast and just being. And I like these people. And I wasn't bothered about the champagne or the wine or the beer. I wasn't bothered about the behaviour of my own children for once. They were fine. I just struggle sometimes. And it's strange because I'm not fucking up anymore, but I obviously have fucked up in the past. And I didn't get my head past this. Not this time. I felt single even though I'm not. My girlfriend's team is doing well and she's gone to London to watch the football. But I am without people to hide behind. Because the kids are running riots somewhere else. And I struggled a bit. Felt a bit less than. Inadequate, disappointing, unimpressive. I don't know. The one thing I do know is that it's hard. It's difficult being an alcoholic. A recovering alcoholic sometimes. For exactly the reasons... That I mentioned earlier, we are not saints, we are not perfect. And what really do you want to tell your folks after 50 years of marriage? You want to tell them that you're okay, and comfortable, and happy. And that you've got a plan for the rest of your life. And I haven't. And everyone around that table only really knows half of the story. Because I hid it well. Everyone wants me to try a mocktail, but I'm okay with water these days and I fucking hate mocktails. I can't pretend that I'm something I'm not. I want to be a wealthy man. I want success. I want to say something impressive. But I'm struggling today and they will never know. And I'm trying. So that's it. I fucked up once or twice. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm haunted by the mistakes of my past. I'm haunted by the faces of people, places, things, the things I can never change now. And meh, I'm not good enough. So you do the AA thing. You sit there with humility and you try to make others happy. And maybe you're dying a little bit inside. 
And you know what? Maybe you're not doing as much AA as you should. And maybe you lost a bit of contact with your sponsor, Misery Guts. And maybe you know where you need to be and what you should be doing. Maybe you just learned something by doing your little podcast. I need a meeting. And if this podcast was ever for me, I just did it. I might be nothing, but I'm a good dad with psychopath children. I got a girl who supports the wrong team. I got a meeting tonight and I'm going to listen. I don't know what I would have done without this. And I'm grateful. But I'm still not managing 37 minutes at this rate. Let's hope I have resentment. The United States of America brought us very little in the 1990s. Nirvana, heavyweight boxing and MTV was good. But it was more about Bush, Iraq, Microsoft Windows, AIDS and Russia. And the United States of America disappointed us. Apart from one thing, WWF Wrestling. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake, Andre, Ultimate Warrior, The Hearts, and Rick fucking Flair, woo. And we liked America for this, and this only. But more recently, we love the stand that America has taken on feminism. Equality, it's all good work. And where I come from, this is the birthplace of feminism, Manchester, England. And her name was Pankhurst. And she founded the Women's Social and Political Union in 1903. And you are seriously not allowed to be sexist where I come from because you will be assassinated. Emily Pankhurst started this. And it's a good thing. If you combine what kids growing up in the 90s know about wrestling with the words and wisdom of Emily Pankhurst, you've got a serious bunch of women. But... This woman thing has bugged me lately. My girlfriend put me in a Ric Flair WWE figure four leg lock this week. And it hurt. Please don't tell my dad about this. I was caught off guard. I was blindsided. You know, that I had no way of telling that this was coming. I screamed a bit. I made a bit of noise. And when she eventually released the hold... I'm thinking, I'll apply the chicken wing. A submission hold, easy to apply, but can I do this? And she's hurt me. I don't want to hurt her. My dad would be furious, but equality says apply the wing. And if I apply the wing, I'm suddenly a potential rapist and I don't want that. But she thinks she's won 
and that I'm a lightweight and she's taunting me. She's whooping like Ric Flair, having a whoopee party and calling me names. And I want you to know this, podcast listeners, right or wrong, I walked away. Actually, that's a lie. I applied the wing and she cried like a baby and now I'm in trouble. You can't win. We still don't know what the fuck to do. Men need someone to tell them what to do in situations like these. We are scared of being assassinated around here. The worm turned years ago. Women have always been in control in Greater Manchester. Sorry about the rest of the world, but our problems are not yours. And we don't know what the fuck to do anymore. It's hard growing up in the birthplace of feminism. Jesus. Happy Easter, Christians. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, the cross, the palms, the eggs, Morris dancing, hot cross buns, do your thing. But women, let's sit down and talk. A bit like Bush and Gorbachev and Yeltsin. And look what happened after that, all good stuff. I mean, okay, they cheated in the Olympics and killed people with chemicals in the UK and have racist football fans and got President Trump into power. But is that really so bad? I don't know. problem is now, now I've got a good theme tune, I haven't got any album art, I need Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon, I need U2 The Joshua Tree, I need album art, and my album art was created months ago, when I wasn't well, so let's start something else, new competition starts today, create me some album art, And I will use it and I will give you three pounds because that is the only thing that is missing from this podcast, album art. 
Think of all those album covers, the ones that made you smile, the ones you grew up with, the ones that meant something to you. And just stick Alcoholic Ominous at the front of it. And you will win yourselves three English pounds. Just think what you could do with that money. And I'm going to pay Sober Pod Podcast right now. I'm going to go on their website and donate. As soon as I find my wallet. Thank you. It's never good enough, is it? You can come. Ah. You can contact me. Alcoholicominers at gmail.com or via the website anonymously. Alcoholicominers.com. I'm on YouTube and I'm on Twitter. No good will come of these things. And I wish to remind you that whatever I have said in this podcast expresses my own individual opinion. As of today and up to this moment, I do not speak for AA. And you are free to agree or disagree as you see fit. In fact, it is suggested that you pay no attention to anything that is not in the AA big book. If you don't have a big book, it's time you bought one. Read it, study it, live with it, loan it, scatter it, and learn from it. And if you are suffering with alcoholism, pick up the phone, find a meeting, tell the first person you see, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And even if I did pay Sober Pod, even if I did pay Sober Pod the £6 that I owe them, what exactly are they going to do with that money? So it's making me think, why should I pay them at all? They're only going to blow that money on stuff they don't need. And how much of that money is Ellen going to see? Ellen's my favourite. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of kebab. Ellen is brought up in a world where sexism exists and thrives. If I give them that money, Steve and Carl will use it. And the women of the United States of America will see none of it. Yes, I will pay you, Sober Pod. You'll get your money. You'll get your bloody money. But I want a letter from Ellen telling me she's okay. Because Donald Trump and Ric Flair and George Bush couldn't do what Emily Pankhurst did here. I'm paying you now. I've got my credit card. Where is it? It's in the kitchen. Hang on. I'm going. Oh, fuck, I've left it in the car. You'll get your money. Hey. Let's be careful out there. Did I manage 37?